In this very dangerous episode of the Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All podcast, we're going metaphysical. That is to say, uh, I don't know what that word actually means <laughs> in this moment. My brain is tired. <laughs> we're trying some all-new concepts on you today, and we're excited to see the chaos that ensues. <laughs> What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. Our metaphysical crazy brains. Metaphysical crazy brains. I'm Googling that right now because I, I you know, I use the word, but I didn't know. I, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, no, it, it has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but it, it did sound good. It was one it of your better words, right? No, no, it doesn't. Not in the least. It was one of your best lead-ins until you hit that word, and all of a sudden, it just—it was like a train that just went flying off the rails. But yeah, it's a great example of why uh, my off-the-cuff nature drives Paul crazy. <laughs> like it's going good, it's going good, and there it goes. Yep, it, there it goes, flying off the cliff. Metaphysics is the branch of philosophy that examines the fundamental nature of reality. There you go. That is not what the podcast is about. Yeah, yeah. No, not in the least. We are introducing two new fun concepts, one game, one exploration of history and time boxes. Doctor Who, watch out. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if that's an accurate reference because I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who. Oh my goodness, Jake. How my, is that even possible? My dad's a fan too, but... Yeah, you know, it's, it's fantastic. I, I would uh, I would talk about uh, Doctor Who a lot because I grew up with Doctor Who in a way, um, but it feels like maybe an extraneous story. Maybe we shouldn't go there because we're already we're already going off the rails. So you don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Okay, we'll we'll go down that rabbit hole. So when I was a little when I was a kid, I would get home from doing something or other, come downstairs, watch the news with my dad, the late news, the ten o'clock news. Right after that, we would. You should have been in bed. I should have been in bed. Um, I was a night owl back in the day, back when I was young, young and uh, and dumb. Um, I would I would actually yeah, I'm not physical. <laughs> We would we would flip on. There was this station that, as soon as the local news would be over, would air old reruns of Doctor Who. We're talking about the old, old, old stuff. So, the Doctor Who for me is not the the new Doctor Who as much as Doctor Number Four. You uh, have no idea what that means. No, nope. but any Doctor Who fan in the audience knows that it's the Doctor with the huge long scarf. That's oh, the go. only Doctor Who for me. Doctor gotcha. number four. Doctor number four. But uh, it's it's apt talking about time traveling yeah. doctors, yeah. yeah, because we're time traveling in the the first new concept that we're testing out today. Isn't that right? That is correct. That is correct. The second concept will not involve any uh, time traveling, well, but will involve yeah. what's that? Well, it doesn't involve time travel, but we are going to be talking about past movies, right? Possibly. It so could, it's a, yeah. like a theme. This is our time movie, or this is our time episode. Our, our episode of... Well, we're always talking about movies from the past, though. <laughs> uh, in our in our game, we will be challenging one another 
to to identify the mo- movies based on their IMDb user reviews. And there's a point system and a delicious prize for the winner that we will uh, a we'll delicious that segment. from what I understand. Disincentive. Well, it depends on what side, you know, if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person. If you're a glass half full person, this is an incentive to win. If I you're think glass half already... empty, it's a disincentive from losing. There you go. <laughs> it's a character. This, actually. So, and of course, we'll wrap up the show the way we always do with the most least important thing. But to kick us off, it's time to go time boxing. Obviously, Jake, we uh, we have not had a lot of new movies to talk about. I have seen some new movies, but they are all not movies that we would t- typically talk about on this podcast. No superhero movies, no Star Wars movies, no fun movies whatsoever. No uh, blockbusting movies. No blockbusting movies. The, uh, the big winner last week at the box office made a total of $16,000. All in between North and South Dakota? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, so we're talking about not a lot of people are actually going to movies, which puts an um, entertainment slash movie podcast like us in a little bit of a bind. So out of sheer desperation, I sort of thought, wouldn't it be kind of fun to look back in time at some of the weekends that we have gone on in the past, in, in past summer blockbuster seasons um and so we're just going to actually i have a hat right here with years that i'm going to pull out of the hat so i have like 20 years from you know all the way actually i have 25 years all the way back to 1995 so we are going to pull a year from this hat and whatever year that is, we are going to go and look at the box office from this week, the third week in May, see what was really hot at the box office and talk a little bit about it. We're going to talk about whether the movies then were any good. We're going to talk about whether they had any long lasting influence. We're going to talk about the movies that we don't even remember because there may be some of those and, and we'll just see where this goes. So is that a no. lead in? I think that's fair, though. I, you know, now that you're saying you're pulling them out of a hat, do we need to rename the segment "Time Hatting"? <laughs> I liked the box. I liked the box, but I couldn't right. find a suitable box. We'll so, stick. Plus, we'll stick with time. Time boxing. And here's the thing: I'm pulling it out. You can't see this, listeners, but Jake can. It's actually an Indiana Jones hat, so it's sort of fitting. I was going to ask. That was going to be my next question. This is my fancy fedora Indiana Jones camping hat. So, How many years are we going to draw out of this magical Indiana Jones fedora? We're only, well, we're only going to draw out one, and then we'll see how it goes. Because this is a, this is, we're actually giving this a test run right live on recorded air. Paul blames me for being the one who is too freeform, and yet yeah, he's like, I'm, let's I'm, just see what happens, bro. I know. In the river of life. Here's the thing, Jake. I'm I'm all for free form if it's good free form. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the year the year is two thousand and four. Two thousand and four. 
third week of May, 2004. This is my research voice. This is my research. uh, What what movies do you think were actually at that time? The summer of the summer of 2004. uh, I think Will Ferrell's kicking and screaming might've come out that summer. I think Spider-Man two might've come out that summer. Uh, Let's see. Uh, what else might have come out that summer? And we're talking, we're just talking about highest grossing, right? Yes, we are. Uh, let's see, 2004, I think. No, that was before Serenity came out. Um, Serenity came out when I was old enough to drive. So, um, interesting. You got the list for us here? I do. I do. All right. Late on us. I'm ready for it. You completely struck out on every single guess. Boom. Every single guess. Boom goes the dynamite. So the number one movie of the third weekend in May was none other than Shrek 2. I said uh, I said uh, something too, right? Spider-Man 2? <laughs> it counts, Shrek, Spider-Man. It's all the same thing, really. Shrek 2. <laughs> I, I, I actually definitely saw that in theaters. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Shrek 2. You know, that's kind of funny because I barely remember Shrek 2. I know that I saw it. I know that it involves uh, a green guy and a donkey and a girl and, but I don't have no recollection as to what it's about. I remember a lot about Shrek. Shrek too made a ton more money actually. Um, But I can't remember very much about it at all. Yeah. It was where they had to go meet Fiona's parents. Um, Of course, if you remember Shrek one, spoiler alerts for Shrek one, Fiona's parents are not ogres. So that, Hence why this is funny, because they have to go meet her non-ogre parents and explain why she's an ogre. So how old were you when you uh, when you saw Shrek 2? So uh, if this would have, I would have been just shy of 15. Just shy of 15. So did you go see it in the theaters? I did. I would have gone uh, with my buddies uh, probably my, so for in this type of time frame, I probably didn't go opening week because my parents weren't into that. Right. But, uh, Smart in the first parents. week of first week of June was my best friend's birthday. And we often did movie screenings and sometimes twofers for his birthday. And because his, his parents were much more willing to drive us around to the theaters in town here. Cause we both lived, we both lived out in the boonies the closest theater was 30 plus minutes away um, one way. And so uh, anyways, I, I saw a lot of the movies I watched. I watched with him in particular around his birthday. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So this would have been squarely, I mean, this movie was made for us. Oh yeah. Because it's a little bit disgusting, a little bit sweet. It's, it's got all the ingredients, except that it's sort of animated. I would have not thought of you as a big animated movie guy when you were 15. Uh, but Shrek was the edgy, you know, animated fair of the time, right? You know, Mm. where it was still, it was still in the prime of like the family guy years, which I hadn't quite discovered yet, but was about to discover, um, Shrek. And also you had to remember that like I was coming from a more sheltered 
sure background sure. so still at even at that time being a 14 year old my friend would have been just turning 14 i was almost 15 this was edgy particularly edgy for us <laughs> gotcha gotcha so it made it it made 108 million dollars at the box office this weekend and uh yeah it's it really killed and it was on its way to $441.2 million, which I think is probably the har- highest uh, Shrek movie there is, to be honest with you. That's uh, a lot of Shashola. I think that would have been the peak, right? You know, they're cashing in on the popularity of Shrek 1, and it wasn't yet tired the way it might have felt by Shrek 3 and beyond. Right, exactly. I think that typically in that point in time, sequels were a big deal because they almost always made more than the originals. Yeah, the original Shrek, which came out just three years before, made $267.6 million in the United States. So yeah, there was quite the difference. Um, All told, if you wanted to throw in uh, the, uh, the overseas bank, uh, it made quite a bit more. I would tell you how much more, but my internet has frozen up, and so I cannot do that. Oh, here it is. Almost a billion dollars. 928 million worldwide. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of film. That's a oh, lot of dough. Goodness. I think it's probably this. The, actually, it's the highest grossing movie of Eddie Murphy's career. Don't you think? <laughs> I mean, it's got to be up there. All right. Number two. Number this two. is going to be one that's near and dear to your heart, I am sure, because it stars your all-time favorite actor. Do you do you have any guesses as to what this might be? Was I not supposed to pull up the list because I have the list here? <laughs> I, mean, I would have gotten this guess probably anyways. Did <laughs> no, you not you want me to pull up the list? The list. No, it's... Huh? <laughs> I won't do it next time. I'll, I'll take it down right now. I won't look. All right, so so the second place movie... This weekend was Troy. Troy. Starring Brad Pitt. That Brad Pitt is so hot right now. (laughs) And then. And then. (laughs) This was sort of Brad Pitt at his most Brad Pittian, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, Troy uh, is, is one of the films that I think people point to if they want to label Brad Pitt as just hunky eye candy, you know? And when they want to denigrate his acting abilities, you know, they point to stuff like uh, the Mexican and Troy uh, and in particular, you know, where it's like, oh, or uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and just say, no, he's just there to smolder and be really, really attractive and muscular. And, you know, Troy is the pinnacle of that because I think you actually get a little Brad Pitt keister in that one. Oh, do you really? If, yeah, if my memory Troy. serves me. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid I completely missed Troy when it was out. So did he play, was he Hector? Achille. Ah, he was Achilles. As as Americans say, Achilles. It's not really Achille. You're just being pretentious, aren't you? <laughs> I'm being pretentious, but I have heard that it's actually Achille. But yes, he plays Achilles. Uh, Hector is Eric Bana. Um, yeah, this was really all about, yeah, I don't think I ever would have wanted to see this movie because I think it would have made me feel very insecure about myself. Yeah, they're all ripped. They're all oiled up, right? You know, this was kind of that era because you had, uh, what was it? Colin Farrell playing in another period 
piece. Uh, who did he play? He played a Roman. Oh gosh, I'm blanking on it. Didn't he do in one? With, uh, really, huh? In that same period of time? It, it relatively, like there was just uh, in that kind of era, you know, you had every, like these period kind of Greek Roman period pieces from 300 to Troy to goodness gracious. I can't think of the Colin Farrell one. It's killing me. Yeah. I'll yeah. No, there were a lot of, of movies like that. It seemed like it, there was a really strong oh, gladiator. Gladiator was a huge one. This was probably, it was probably gladiator that sort of kicked off this whole thing. Right. Yeah. I, I would probably point to gladiator as the first one. Yeah. Because they thought gladiator, it made three gazillion dollars. These uh, Alexander topics can do no wrong. What was it? Alexander. Alexander. You know, it's kind of funny because I never saw any of these movies. The only one yeah. I saw was Gladiator, and that was pretty good. But yeah. had no interest in Troy. Didn't care about seeing Brad Pitt all oiled up, unlike other people in this podcast. So, yeah. I definitely wasn't seeing Troy at the time or in theaters. <laughs> Let's <laughs> just say that. <laughs> Understood. Number three on the list was a movie that I actually do have a pretty good recollection of because it was it was one of the funnest, dumbest movies I've seen in a long time. Van it's worthy of Helsing. Van yeah. Helsing. Worthy of a hurt so good, I think. It really is. Oh, it's it's crazy. <laughs> so this starred um this starred Hugh Jackman. You know, this was in his his Wolverine period as the ultimate vampire hunter. I was so, okay. So Jake, you know that I'm kind of a big horror movie guy, right? And, and right. I always liked vampire movies. I always liked Dracula. Dracula was kind of a big deal. Um, I thought Van Helsing was going to be great because I thought it was going to, you know, stick a little bit close to Bram Stoker's original story, or at least, have some sort of resemblance to it? No. No. How naive you were. At all. <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, it that was, was how I felt about the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> it was. It was really a crazy movie where I think Van Helsing, he was just riding through the forest. He was doing his thing. He was shooting vampires with like crucifix guns. Does that sound right to you? along pretty close yeah and holy water and silver and yeah Yeah. it was like a crossbow that it was like a mechanized crossbow that shot like pseudo crucifixes i think oh just talking about it actually makes me want to watch it again i'm super yeah and like dracula's wives and their weird creepy like semi-nude form oh why why it was it may have been one of the worst movies of 2004. I mean, when you think about it, you know, fairly, I think that, my goodness, it was just completely unhinged. Completely unhinged. Uh, it had mostly negative reviews, according to Wikipedia, which sounds about right. Um, it was actually in its third week. Uh, it had already grossed by that time a lot of money. Um, it had, it was up to a hundred million dollars. It had grossed uh, 10.5 million that weekend and it was still going pretty strong. Um, yeah. 
24% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, however. It does not, feel like a good, hurts so good type of movie. Not great. So what do you think, Paul, according to your estimation? I, I'm going to ask this question and slap me down if I'm, you know, infringing. Out of out of the top 10 from that weekend, which movie has stood the test of time for right. you as the best? Let's run down the top 10 just real quick. So right. it's, a, and I'll just list them. Number four was Mean Girls. Number five, Man on Fire. Number six, Breaking All the Rules. Seven was 13 Going on 30. Eight was New York Minute, which apparently lasted a New York Minute because I don't remember that at all. It was one of the last hurrahs of the Olsen twins. Was it really? It was. (laughs) How do you know that? I'm scared to ask. I was a 14-year-old boy at the time, Paul. (laughs) Fair enough. You do the best. (laughs) Number nine, Kill Bill Volume 2. And number 10 was Super Size Me, an odd documentary that made the top 10. So that's kind of interesting. So in my estimation, um, I would say that the one that has had the longest appeal is really Mean Girls. It's kind of a slam dunk, don't you think? Uh, In terms of cultural... uh, resonance i would say that's probably true because it's it's uh been taken up as uh a standard of kind of cult high school um like nostalgia for millennials yeah. and you have a few younger gen xers who you know point to this and and what it says about high school and it sort of represents something to them maybe not quite on the scale on the same scale as John Hughes, what John Hughes did for your generation, but um, it's, it's been memeified and now gifified. And uh, it, it, I would say it's the most culturally resonant of that top 10, though. I don't necessarily think it's the best film of the top 10. I would agree with that. Oddly enough, it starred two very familiar faces that, that I think have only grown in prominence as time has gone on. Amy, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey both were in that movie, which I didn't honestly remember. And Rachel McAdams. And Rachel McAdams. And it was really kind of the last hurrah of, of Lindsay Lohan as a yeah. serious actress. Like, I think it, it, at this point in Mean Girls, this was sort of the movie that both made her and ended up being like the pinnacle of her career because she never went anywhere after that. She right. Was, it was for sure a peak. She was the it girl. When she it came to- girl, she had it all because she was a really good actress. She was super likable, and then things just sort of went off the rails for her, which was, you know, kind of sad. Actually, yeah, very sad. So, uh, what about I'll, you? Say, I'll say for me, my favorite movie on that list is Man on Fire. Mm, interesting. Denzel Washington. Um, Denzel yeah. Washington very rarely makes a bad movie. Yeah, I think I think he's he's often underrated as an actor, although, you know, there are still lots of people who like him. But, you know, this one, he plays an addict and a former CIA guy who is just working these pickup jobs, protecting people, gets close, stuff goes down and he's put on the warpath as he deals with grief and addiction and his own past trauma that's led him here. And uh, uh, it's a it's a hard very hard movie to watch, but uh, very gripping and and probably the best of this particular lot. 
Yeah, yeah. I I have always liked Denzel Washington. The other thing that that I notice about these movies is that it seems that they were all, almost all of them were really fronted by stars. Like like the the actors or actresses kind of made these movies in a way that we don't necessarily see as much from blockbusters today, you know, in a way where it seems like you have these franchises that kind of rule the day. Everybody's going to go out and see the Marvel movie. Everybody's going to go out and see the DC movie. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean when it was big. Obviously, Johnny Depp was, you know, the star of the the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but it was really the franchise that made them. Um, The only two sequels that I see on this list, Shrek 2 and Kill Bill Volume 2. Um, and that's pretty interesting. That That is a very different sort of top 10 list than we would see today. Yeah, though uh, technically, let's see, 13 going on 30 is a remake mm-hmm. of Big, right? Um, and, it, it, you know, New York Minute to me, even though it doesn't technically come out of a franchise, to me that still feels like it comes out of like the Olsen twins. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Their series of films of, you know, it was just always twins get in trouble causing problems. Why the Olsen twins were so popular. I really don't get. Do yeah. I don't get it. It was not my thing. You know, I just happened to know everybody else who was into it. <laughs> so were they a really fact, like in junior high were were there like huge olsen twin groupies because you would i don't remember it so much in junior high i do i remember it being more of a thing in elementary school age mm-hmm. you know that was when people had their collections in the box set of all the olsen twins movies i think i think although that was still certainly there by june in junior high um and early high school, I think the, it was a little bit, le- a little bit more uh, subtle, subdued. Wasn't quite as cool to be into the Olsen twins then. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, in a gross way, it became more appropriate for the boys to be into them as they got older. Right. Because you were, hitting they were such a, they were such a, a, a girl thing for the first right. part of career you know exactly as elementary students it was like that's a girl thing you know boy you know that's that's very girlish that's not what the boys are into but then as they and the boys all started hitting puberty of course that that math changed for many boys yes yes i don't think there is an equivalent actually from from my time in in junior high high school i don't think there was any any sort of parallel universe that, that that the Olsen twins would have existed in, you know, there's, there's nothing to compare it to. So, well, I mean, they, if you think about it though, uh, are they some of the last vestiges of, they didn't quite fully make it into adulthood, but they were the child star that struggled, you know, with the transition into adolescence, which was a pretty common Hollywood trope, you know, dating, all the way back to Shirley Temple and I'm sure even beyond of the difficulties of leveraging that childlike cuteness, hitting puberty and going through all of that awkwardness, you know, developing into a human adult. Like I, I, I think they're maybe not equivalents in necessarily the mediums because they were a product of like the straight to, you know, direct to video market in many ways. But 
I think there's a lot of other parallels throughout history, just with different mediums. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing about the Olsen twins, and I don't know why I know this, and I don't even know where I heard it, but I read a profile about them and it sounded like they were never, you know, when you talk about those childhood stars that had a difficult time making the transition um, from childhood roles to adult roles, I don't even think the Olsen twins wanted to be one of those. Yeah. From what I understand, you know, they were never very into into um, the interviews. They never were never really. They had this empire. They were. They had you know all the merchandise. They were. They were. I think kind of Hannah Montana before Hannah Montana became such a huge deal, right? They had girls were just buying tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff. So they didn't have a choice, but in in a way, except to ride this fandom as long as they could. But you can sort of see, even when they were 14 and 15, some of the interviews they did, they they were very shy. They were very, um, a little bit standoffish. You could tell that they just didn't really enjoy that type of in front of the camera celebrity for, for being an actress. Um, and, and so I think that actually their step away from the limelight might've been a lot more purposeful in some ways. Yeah. And, and I think, that is how I, I that is how I perceived it, but I think it still underscores the point. You know, whether that difficulty is wanting to become one or wanting to get away from it, there is a difficult and hurt, you know, herky jerky, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Transition yeah. out of that when that is how you've been perceived for so long. I think to your point, then when we started to see their personalities and their wants and desires and to come out, you know, they, they, faded from being the media darlings pretty quickly, you know, and soon became tabloid sensations and, you know, everybody obsessing over how much they weighed and how gaunt they looked or, you know, what decisions they made and whether or not they were good or bad. And so um, regardless of their desire to remain in Hollywood, I felt, I feel like they still uh, had to go through that really painful growing up transition that happens to a lot of the young Hollywood stars. Man, it is terrible to be a child star in Hollywood. It really is. It would just be hard. I cannot think of anyone off the top of my head besides Leonardo DiCaprio that made the transition well. You know, I think... Joseph Gordon-Levitt, perhaps. Who? A Joseph Gordon-Levitt, perhaps. Yeah, Yeah, he's done pretty well for himself. And I think that one of the things that, that... worked for him is that he was never considered one of those quote unquote cute childhood stars. Right. He was, uh, he was on third rock from the sun. Is that kind yeah, of right? So I, I think that he was always sort of a character as opposed to just sort of this cute little urchin thing walking around. And, uh, and I think that that sort of helped his career. I think it's really hard to be that cute face on camera going into more serious roles. Yeah. So one other little bit of, of information I'll just throw at you. Shrek 2, this weekend's biggest movie, turned out to be the biggest movie of the year. It was for the entire year. It beat out Spider-Man 2. Oh, so I was I was right that that came out that summer. It came out that summer. It came out June 30th. Oh, look at that. So if we pick 2004 in a month from now, you could very well be right. I was... I was close. I knew, I knew I was close. (laughs) 
guess what was number five? The Incredibles. The Incredibles. I forget it's that. I will admit I forget it's that old. Yeah, I, I was really surprised about that myself. So that is the only movie in the top 10 for the year that was in the top 10 for this week, which is another sort of difference in the blockbusters of yesteryear and the blockbusters of today. You know, I think that a good chunk of the blockbusters are all released within a few weeks of each other. So you'd see some of these year's biggest movies sort of overlapping a little bit more. Not so yeah. much. Not so much. Well, there you have it. We time boxed our way across the third week of May in 2004. What was your favorite film from that list? Which one do you think is most culturally resonant? We'd love for you to tell us on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. And now it's time for IMD Boss Trivia Edition. All right, friends, it's time for what I'm tentatively calling <laughs> I am the boss trivia edition. <laughs> Here's how it works. Paul and I will be trading back and forth. We've each selected three movies to try to stump the other one with using and there, each movie has three clues which have been culled from the user reviews on the internet movie database so paul has picked a movie and he has combed through its user reviews to find three different portions of the reviews they can be lines from the same review or different reviews depending on whatever suits his fancy but they go in descending uh, order from hard to easy the first clue is the hardest the last clue is the easiest and the points go likewise. If I am able to guess the movie after his first clue, then I get three points. If I get it after the second clue, I get two after the third clue one. If I don't get it at all, that's a big fat zero zero. And then it'll be Paul's turn to guess from my clues. And at the end of three rounds, whoever has scored the most points will be heralded and crowned as the IMD boss. And their prize will be the ability to craft a tweet that the loser must post on their own Twitter account. See, and so you'll have to go to Twitter after you, the winner and loser has been de determined to see if you can guess what the loser had to tweet on behalf of the IMD boss. So I think that I am definitely at a disadvantage in this game of yours, Jake, How's because that? even when you gave me an example of how this game was going to work, I had not seen nor even really heard of the movie that you picked. So I think... Uh, what? No. The example that I used in my tweet. Yes. No. You're not my tweet. I'm sorry. The example that I used in the email. Correct. To explain how... We literally talked about it on this podcast. Oh, no. no. Paul, Paul, the movie in the example was Code 8. Oh, Code 8, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had already forgotten about it. Wow. Wow. Oh, look at this fake news slander. Snopes.com. Submit this to Snopes. Fake news. Paul is creating conspiracy theories about me. I read your emails. Okay. I literally, I literally picked that one because we had just watched it. 
Altered Carbon was sticking in my brain for some reason. Uh, and I didn't even I didn't even mention Altered Carbon in the. Yeah. So yeah. you should edit all this out. Edit all of it out. <laughs> nope, I need the audience to <laughs> know the truth because otherwise you're going to take to Twitter and be like, "It was a sham." It you was, railroaded me. It is going to be a sham. Anyway. Paul, since you're feeling, uh, you know, since you're feeling put upon unjustly by me using a very recent example of a movie <laughs> that we both watched and discussed at length. We just talked about it. I would like for you to decide uh, who goes first. Who goes first? Mm-mm-mm. I am going to say, you know what? I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll give you clues to the movie. Okay. Paul will give me clues. Uh, so the first round will begin with Paul ask, you know, and me guessing Paul giving clues. Second round will begin with me giving clues. And the third round will be back to Paul giving the clues. All right. All right, Paul, I'm ready for clue number one. Now we're each doing three movies a piece, right? Correct. So three total rounds. Gotcha. So you'll, you'll do this once we go through the three questions, or if I get it on the first one, then we'll flip flop and that'll be round one. Okay. Clue number one for this particular movie. That is not code eight. You can watch this movie in 1997, you can watch it again in 2004 or 2009, or you can watch it in 2015 or 2020, and this movie will get you every time. Ooh. Every time, in all caps. This, you can watch it anytime. Starting the first year was 1997? Correct. All right. Uh, let's see here. 1997. That's a tough year for me. Uh, cause you can't look at anything up on the internet. I'm not looking. I'm going to set anything down. I was going to keep points there, but my hands are up. Paul can see I'm not researching. Uh, 1997. I was, uh, new to Colorado Springs. Uh, I was not going to very many films at that time. Uh, but I think there was, oh, did I go that year or was it the next year? Uh, all right. 1997. I'm going to say Toy Story 2. All right. Three points is off the table for me. Three I'm points. For clue number two. The writing was absolutely superb. For a three-hour movie, I found myself completely engaged, not even blinking my eye. The costumes, music, performances, characters, cinematography, dialogue was so magical. I can't even put words here to describe the beauty of everything put into this movie. Oh, my. Um, nearly three hours long. The costumes, the beauty. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about like what period pieces would have come out right then, but I'm going to go with the Titanic. Oh, you got it. Boom. Two points. I got to read you my third clue though. All right. My other guess was going to be the English patient. That would have been a good guess. Sort of. But I was um, like, I don't think they really had like gorgeous costumes in the English. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty beaten down. 
Yeah. So essentially you're guaranteed, I think, three points or or you would you would get every single one of these with my third answer. If okay. you want and you're you're it, there's something wrong. Um my third clue was there's no way that a metal ship that large could even have been sunk by a measly iceberg. It's unrealistic. <laughs> Why are there even icebergs? <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a good, you know, COVID-19 conspiracy theory. <laughs> All right. So two points for you, Jake. All right. I'm back to my points now. All right, Paul, are you ready for your round one? Yes. Okay. Clue number one for Mr. Paul AC. The interjected flashback scenes and the caricature scenes Distract from the film's central message, which is presented in a jarring way. Flashback scenes and caricature scenes. We're not talking about a, an aha video, I would guess. Nope. But I'm not going to count that as your guess, even though you said <laughs> I would guess. <laughs> Oh, jarring. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 let's see here. I don't even have a guess, I don't think. Come on, throw something out there. You got, you can't, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. She's having a baby. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> Get it? Are you kidding me with this? <laughs> I should have been forcing you to show me your hands. Nope. I, I was, promise I wasn't looking it up. I, I mean, you know, I not look up anything from, from caricature and flashback. So that, that got you to, she's having a baby right there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think that was pretty harsh actually for the review. That that was, a, I really liked that movie, but we've talked about that. Yeah. All right. Well, three points for Paul for round one. That was impressive. I uh, admittedly, since I have not seen She's Having a Baby, I wasn't quite sure how easy or hard that would make it. But I was hoping, you know, that Paul's memory was foggy enough since he couldn't remember Code 8 that we watched two, you know, two weeks ago. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, honestly, it was it was quite lucky. I was thinking, okay. So I know of a movie that has both of those elements. And I thought, but there's a lot of them out there. (laughs) All right. Uh, Clue number two would have been. So I guess if I were at gunpoint, I would choose this as my second favorite film in the Hughes lineup. Oh, yeah. That would have gotten me a little bit closer. Then uh, number three. He's having an early midlife crisis would be a more fitting title for this movie. I would have definitely gotten it there, but I got it at at, at the first clue. So I'm all all good. (laughs) That's right. All right. Paul, after round one leads with three points to Jake's two points. Wow. Um, Upset in the Meadowlands. That's right. All right. So So you're going first, right? I'll go first on this round. So Paul gets a twofer. All right, clue number one for round two. If you can, go see this in IMAX. 
if any film was to sell this format to skeptics, this would be, all caps, IT. Wow. Man, I tell you what, these are these are really difficult. Um, only because they could be so many different movies. I'm going to say The Dark Knight. That is incorrect. All right. All right. Good guess, though. It could be. Uh, all right. If Number it's two. the movie that I really wanted to pick, I'm going to be upset. But go ahead. If it's the movie you really wanted to pick? Yeah. yeah. All right. Clue number two. Sheep followers wanting to get blown up. Yeah, because getting evaporated by a nuclear bomb is so awesome that every mercenary wants to do it. All right, read that again. Sheep followers wanting to get blown up. Yeah, because getting evaporated by a nuclear bomb is so awesome that every mercenary wants to do it. This is a movie I don't think that I've seen. Um, I'm going to say V for Vendetta. Ah, interesting guess. But I know you never, now I know you've never seen V for Vendetta because <laughs> Fox didn't have no nuclear bombs. <laughs> but, that, you know, I get where you're going with that. There was a bomb and. <laughs> All right. Clue number three for one point. Oh my goodness. I have no idea what to even start with about what was wrong with this movie. Apart from the obvious Richard Nixon voice the protagonist has had in every movie of this trilogy, now we also have a villain we can barely understand. Oh, wow. Oh. Do you like me to read Court. that again? Yeah, The Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight Rises. Wow. You were so close. I was about to lose it if you got it on that first. I was so close. I, man, I got to say, Dark Knight was way better on IMAX than The Dark Rises. Dark Knight Rises. but I didn't see Dark Knight Rises in IMAX. Or, no, I did see Dark Knight Rises. I saw Dark Knight Rises in my IMAX. I did not see The Dark Knight in IMAX, so I can't compare Ooh. the two. Dark Knight was amazing in IMAX. That truly was. I had thought about guessing gravity actually mm. as my first guess, but that would have thrown me completely off track. I would have thought that you would have guessed avatar, but, <laughs> but you know, here we are. That was my third guess. Honestly, it was my third guess. So, All right. Round two. I'm ready, Paul. Hit me with right. them clues. If you really want to understand this film, this is clue number one. If you really want to understand this film, think back to your own high school days. Think about your last year there. Dig out your old diary or book of angstful poems and reacquaint yourself with who you were then when you felt things more deeply. Uh, so many high school movies out there. Which ones deal with senior year? This is not my... Well, darn it. I'm I'm torn between two here, and I'm sure they're very different films. <laughs> uh, God, and and I can see Paul going with either one one to one to be a goof and one to be more serious. Um, so which version of Paul? Right. <laughs> it's like apples to apples, right? You have to sort of figure That's out right. who's asking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, my my guess for. Three points is Ladybird. 
<sighs> Sorry. Clue number two. I never bought any of the friendships because large portions of the plot felt rushed. It takes over an hour for the kids to even get on good terms. Uh, um, high school musical. <laughs> Three, senior year. No, no, sorry. Not Lady Bird, not high school musical. All right. Clue number three. Me personally, I hated detention. I definitely, and I'm, I'm just going to read this verbatim. I definitely shouldn't have watched a movie about it. What? That sounds like it could have, should have been clue number one. All right, say that again. Me personally, I hated detention. I definitely shouldn't have watched a movie about it. Huh. All right. So uh, you're talking about high schoolers in detention uh, who meet. Wait, you you I I'm not I didn't ask for more clues. It sounds like you gave me extra information with that clue. I was trying to just help you put it together. But. Yeah. No, my guess was going to be the Breakfast Club. You got it. But I don't think detention that didn't come up in any of your other clues. The Breakfast Club was my next guess, though. So. All right. Oh Do wait. You said, oh, I thought you said I hated the tension. No, detention. Oh, okay. I'm like, why did he give me extra information? Like, no. I was like, I was like, Paul is ruining the game. Okay, detention. Me, me personally, I hated detention. <laughs> I for sure thought you said I hated the <laughs> tension. And I was like, this is not a good clue. <laughs> I'm taking my point though. One point. So I uh, like <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I got the right answer without understanding the last clue. Uh, uh, uh. So I was like, why is he giving me extra information? This is going to destroy the integrity of the game. Yeah. You were very angry for a minute there. <laughs> I could see it on the, on the zoom. Sorry. I was like, what is going on? And so, then was- uh, so let's see here. We have two John Hughes movies that we hit on the, on this game. So that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I did mine just to try to be nice to Paul. So I figure, and and it didn't, it backfired against me. <laughs> All right. I'm up round three. Okay. So going into round three, Paul has four points and I have three points. That is correct. And is correct. I get to go first uh, in round three, Paul. I'm ready for your first clue. Clue number one. There is no doubt that this is a beautiful, confounding picture that says something about the dehumanizing effects of technology. What else it says is totally unclear, though the screenplay is often quite witty, but feels like it was never thought completely through. All right. Can you read the the quote again? (laughs) Yes. There is no doubt that this is a beautiful, confounding picture that says something about the dehumanizing effects of technology. What else it says is totally unclear. The screenplay is often quite witty, but feels like it was never thought completely through. Mm-hmm. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh! 
Very good. I got it. Very good. That that felt like there was a little bit of there might have been a bone there, like <laughs> Yeah, I realized as I was reading it, I was hoping that it would be a little bit more enigmatic. Mm. But if you were of a certain mindset, I think it would totally give it away. You you would appreciate my clue number three, though. Yeah, I would like to hear your other clues. Okay, so clue number two. This movie is certainly one of the greatest films ever made. It is a story told in a steady pace, told mostly not by words, but by cinematic means of expression. Perfect blend of spectacular special effects and classical music bring to life creations of human imagination in both realistic and poetical ways. <laughs> that probably would have given it away too. I mean, it's because you... like the first one, classical music. Yeah. And the first one speaks is a little bit closer to my take on the movie. And the second one is very much like your take on the movie. <laughs> Actually, I think clue number three is, is your take on the movie. Oh yeah. You thought it was me in disguise. Yeah, this I think that you actually wrote this. Clue number three. Apes? I could just go to a zoo and say I saw this movie. I could watch Star Wars and say I saw this movie. It's the same friggin' thing. I'm not trying to be so harsh on this film, but how can anyone find this entertaining? How? Unless you are 150 years old. That is the only way I could understand it. <laughs> See, I think he was being too nice. <laughs> Uh, all right. So that brings, I love that. I could just go to the zoo and say, I saw this movie. <laughs> uh, all right. So that brings me up to a total of six points. So Paul needs to at least get two to tie up the game. Uh, okay. And I really should have, we'll have to figure out our tiebreaker because I forgot to think, you know, that's the fun thing about inventing new games and then playing them is you figure out where the holes are. <laughs> exactly. All right, Paul, are you ready for ready. Two, number one for three points? Sometimes saccharin can be a good substitute. This film is everything a bad musical should be. Ooh, wow. Sometimes saccharin can be a good substitute. I'm going to say La La Land. Ooh, strong guess. But now we know. Haha, trick question. We think Paul thinks it was a bad musical. I liked it actually, but but I can understand why some people would say it was a uh, it was saccharine. La La Land is not saccharine though, in my well, opinion. It depends on your point of view. Yeah, you know? I guess it does. All right. Official. Are you ready for clue number two? Ready for clue number two. So this is for the tie, right? This is for the tie. Okay. Providing more sap than a forest of Vermont maples. <laughs> it has coy, silly songs, an inane, innocuous script, and unbelievably sugary characters. So why is it one of my favorite musicals? Wow. So... Sugary characters. Um, uh, you would you like me to read that again? Yeah, do. Providing more sap than a forest of Vermont maples. It has coy, silly songs, an inane, innocuous script, and unbelievably sugary characters. So why is it one of my favorite musicals? 
I'm going to go White Christmas. Oh, White Christmas. Uh, that is incorrect. Curses! But I want—I still want to read you the final clue so you can get a guess in. All um, right. And, and, you know, the score will look closer than... <laughs> clue number three. Well, if you get it, I guess. We'll All see right. if you can get it. Just an all-time classic. One of the most original and suspenseful war films ever made. Up there with Life is Beautiful, Schindler's List, and The Pianist. It's a war movie musical? Yes. Oh my goodness. With coy and silly songs. Coy sugary and... characters, an all-time classic. And original and suspenseful war film. <laughs> so it's it's not Dunkirk. It's not, not Dunkirk. Not so Dunkirk. this one I thought once you had all three clues the picture would be much more clear. I didn't think no. this one was going to cause you trouble. No, this is going to, I really have, I still have no idea. And I know that as soon as you say it, I'm going to say, how could I have missed this? Yeah, you will. I'm just trying to think of soldiers singing and dancing. Oh, oh, oh wait, 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 wait. It wouldn't be Moulin Rouge. No, it wouldn't be Moulin Rouge. I won't count that as your guest. No, give it to me. You make a guess. War movie musical. There are not many those of those that I can think of that were made recently. If I can think of any of them at all, actually. Um, Nobody said it had to be recent. Do, 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 do. Please don't sue me, Alex Trebek. <laughs> Casablanca. Ca not a musical. They have songs in there? There's, there is a musical number in there. No, it's not Casablanca. The answer is The Sound of Music. Oh, what? Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. I don't think of that as a war movie. That's all and I think of it as. There it is. There it is. There, there it is. Oh, man. You know what actually threw me off? Is mm. all the comparisons to all those modern movies. I was thinking it had to be more contemporary. By them saying Life is Beautiful in Schindler's List? Yep. Ah, interesting. That You, you took that as like a time actually, yeah, comparison. I, I actually think that that took me farther away from where mm. I was. Interesting. Very sneaky, Jake. Interesting. I was I was thinking that I set that one up for you too easily. Oh no, no. Yeah, no, because because as soon as you compare it to Schindler's list, I'm thinking tragic and drama and grit and I am not thinking the sound of music at that point. There's betrayal in there. Oh my god. Nazis. I think that was a, you totally cheated. I'm <laughs> okay. So that means that uh, I am being crowned the IMD boss. Only because you cheated. In this, in this round. There will be more rounds. Paul will have the opportunity to become, to dethrone me as the IMD boss. Oh, uh, next but time. For right now, Paul is the IMD boor. Yeah. Next time, I'm telling you.
the clues will not be as nice. <laughs> I you know I have to say I have to say I was curious to see where we went in the clues realm. I felt like we all we both did a pretty good job. I think it was all right. That third clue though totally threw me off. It totally threw because of course I should I still would have lost anyway, right? Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll 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 take my loss like a man. That's right. Catch up with this on Twitter to see what Paul has to tweet. See if you can identify it uh, by replying to the tweet in like to one of his tweets that you think is the one I, uh, I drafted for him. You can't, you can't make me tweet anything that would get me fired. No, of course not. No, it will nothing mean spirited, nothing uh, political, nothing, um, you know, that would put either of us in any danger with our, with the authorities or <laughs> our respective uh, uh, employers, but uh, reply to the tweet that you think I've drafted for Paul using the hashtag. I am D boss. I am D B O S S. Goodness gracious. All right. All right. Good enough. Now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are in the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours, making mountains out of molehills and vice versa. I did not consult Paul about which of us should go first because I forgot. So I'll go ahead and go first because I am (laughs) D-Boss. Boom! It's already paying off. Boom! Goodness gracious. Another two weeks I'm going to have to live with this. It even works as a title. I am D-Boss. I get to, when I refer to myself, <laughs> phonetically, it just it's, all right drips off the tongue. All right. Uh, I'm also going first because mine is a little bit more serious. Oh, no. Okay. But uh, coming to Netflix on May 27th, something that uh, is both pop culture and related to my real life job at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation is a docu-series on Jeffrey Epstein based on the book, a, uh, by a famous, typically fiction writer, James Patterson, that he wrote about Epstein called Filthy Rich. And uh, I have to say, I'm curious to see uh, like whether this is culturally a mountain or a molehill. Because of course, we're, we're not far from the massive success that Netflix had with the Tiger King documentary. But of course, uh, Epstein and his crimes aren't so easily lampooned as the Tiger King. Uh, And yet Epstein himself is a source of much uh, consternation and conspiracy and a figure who is shrouded in mystery, um, almost mystery that almost overshrouded the crimes that he was convicted of uh, committing. And so uh, I, I think in the midst of this quarantine, I am very curious to see how this documentary performs for Netflix, because of course it it appeals to the morbid interest that many documentary viewers have. But you know, do we really have? Are they going to be hungry for this when they're been in the midst of a pandemic? We'll see. It's a really good question, actually. I think that um, I think that Epstein is a character that has um, 
he's he's purient puriently fascinating if that makes sense i think yeah. that that we all watched his uh his sordid life sort of unfold as as time went on um and i think that uh i think it will be interesting to see what the quote-unquote ratings are obviously we might never know because netflix doesn't actually give its ratings um but um i don't think i'll be watching i know that much but i think for me sometimes those shows just feel a little bit slimy you know i'm i'm just not a big fan of those and so i think i'd probably spend my time watching something else but i'll be interested to see how it does for sure yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's not one I would watch outside of the fact that there's the professional for me aspect of it, uh, where our organization does this type of work, um, day in and day out. And that, you know, Epstein stands as somebody that we point to as, um, breaking the stereotype that people have gotten about what it means to be, a, what it looks like to be a sex trafficker, you know, taken sort of put it into our minds that sex trafficking is only this seedy back alley dingy business. But uh, unfortunately it's oftentimes looks like a very normal individual who is clean cut and uh, is not the person that would strike you as being involved in that sort of thing. And so it's one I'll, I'll almost certainly be watching for work purposes, but I'm, I'm curious from a pop culture perspective, it's not one that I would be tuning into because I don't enjoy those types of documentaries. But at the same time, I know people listen and watch this kind of stuff all the time. So it's one I'm, I think I'm as interested as I am in this from a professional standpoint, I'm very curious to see what the kind of cultural reception is. Yeah. 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 I think that that's absolutely right. It's interesting because I have not really related, but I am talking about someone who (sighs) curiously has, has, um, he's he's kind of a bad guy apparently you would think and the coronavirus has definitely augmented his profile in this particular way so they're sort of weirdly linked i'm talking of course about maurice fain who is a rapper who goes by the name arkansas mo i didn't know him by either name <laughs> he is he is one of the stars or has appeared on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. He also runs a trucking business called Flame Trucking. He uh, applied for a loan to get by during the coronavirus um, because he has apparently a lot of employees, 107 employees, and so he needed a loan, he says, to get by. He received a $2 million loan, and he promptly spent it on jewelry, and a lease for a Rolls Royce. Oh, good. And paid forty thousand dollars in child support wow. with that loan. Yes. So he uh, he bought a Rolex presidential watch and a five point seven three carat diamond ring huh. with the money. Now this is a loan. You would think that he would think that it would need to be paid back eventually, but apparently that was not critical in his calculus. I don't know whether any of his 107 employees actually got any of the money for this business loan, but he mm. is now um, he has now been arrested for for using this money probably unwisely <laughs> yeah, for uh, not business related purposes. Yeah. That is not what business loans are for. Hold off on the Rolls Royce leases. That's you a know, good- I really it's really just a mix up over the definition of essential. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, some I, people have different definitions. It's not an objective term. No, it's true. It's true. I think it's a good reminder for both you and I, Jake, because I know that we were thinking about, you know, we have our we like our Rolls Royces too. You never know what we could have used our our money that we applied for a loan for for this podcast. And so, yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's a good reminder that it should not be a Rolls Royce or diamonds or Rolexes. Yeah. No five point seven three carat diamonds for us. There you go. Well, that about does it for this episode of Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know It All. As always, we enjoy spending a little bit of time with you throughout the your day, whatever you're doing. We uh, we're lonely, so hit us up on the Twitter. Talk to us <laughs> as we're quarantined in our homes. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson on the Twitter. I'm at AC Paul. But until next time, I am D Boss signing off. We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Go time boxing. I like it. It works. Time boxing across the universe. On the Starship Enterprise under Captain Kirk. Wow.